Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Ben Berg from Berg Hospitality coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's a beverage consultant who has helped create the cocktail menus at a number of successful Houston bars and restaurants. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? You know, just over-caffeinated and living my best life. Yeah, it's going to be, a, it feels like feels like it could get a little spicy this week. We'll see how it goes. It will be spicy. All right. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Mastranto's owners, Xavier and Mari Godoy, have bought Midtown Restaurant Weights and Measures. So far, they've made some minor changes. They've added some of the Mastranto's most popular dishes to the menu, like their Texcania cheesesteak, their carrots, their carbonara that's uh, got chorizo in it. And then I talked to them. They said long-term, they want to add more pastas to the menu. And then Love Croissants, Omar Perrinet's uh, croissant pop-up that's been selling at coffee shops and the Urban Harvest Farmer's Market is going to occupy the bakery space that is currently closed. Linda, I say all that to say to you, what do you think about Mastrantos in general? Have you have you been there in in, in the Heights? I no, I haven't actually. Um, but who puts chorizo in to carbonara? Well, that they they freely acknowledge it is not a traditional carbonara, but that is that is kind of what they do, right? They they take some of these classic Italian forms and put a little twist on it. So basically, it's it's like a breakfast taco pasta. Oh my god! Please, all it right. Is the, it is not. It is not undelicious. I mean, you know me. <laughs> I, I do, but 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 let's focus on the the task at hand. What do you? I mean, no. You know, look, like this, this is this is my real, this is this is my take on it. First off, you and I have always loved weights and measures. I loved the opening. I love the people that have worked there. The reiterations of it are always really good. I'm excited to take that concept into a different current into a different direction. I I mean I live in that I live in that neighborhood. And so as much as I love I do love classics and all that good stuff, like I think a breath of fresh air into any kind of staple in Houston, why not? I mean, I wanna I wanna see what they've got, you know, what what their their line of service is or how they wanna implement things, you know. So yeah, I mean Let's see what happens. Right. And and I think, you know, just to be a little bit more explicit about it, we remember when Weights and Measures opened, I'm going to say early 2015, I think. I think that's right. Uh, late 14, early 15. And and we knew a bunch of the people who founded Weights and Measures, right? We, we know Chef Richard Kaplan. We knew, or we know rather, uh, his sous chef, Fernando. Uh, of Mimos. Yeah, right. For Well, right. And Mike Sammons, who, who, who have now gone on to, to open Mimos in the East End, which we talked about the last time you were on the show. Yeah. Uh, we knew a bunch of their their bar staff. You know, our friend Judith was there. Yeah, yeah, from the from the syrup, from the new syrup company. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's been a, a a variety of different characters in in that space. Right, but but what I will say is, you know, once it got sold in 2020, right? Richard retired. Mike moved on to do How to Survive. Fernando took over the kitchen, but eventually he left because he was opening Mimo with Mike. And I'm going to say at that point, that's around when I stopped going to weights and measures and it kind of felt like it lost its way. 
you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, I think the pandemic was really tough on them. The dinner crowd dwindled. It's still very popular for brunch, but it, it just, it, you know, and, and, you know, like you, I live pretty close by. And so on, on occasional mornings, I will decide I want a croissant or a muffin or a something and I'll pop over to the bakery and get some pastries. And, and I noticed in my last couple of trips that it just didn't, they didn't quite taste the same. They didn't look the same. They didn't taste the same. And, and I just had the feeling that, that something, something had changed. So, you know, to have Xavier and Mari come in who, you know, they, they told me like when we were opening Mastrantos, we were looking for, you know, what in Houston is kind of like what we want to do, which is to kind of use dough as a platform for global flavors and to play around a little bit. You know, Weights and Measures was one of the restaurants that really inspired them. Because if you think about that carrot pizza, that roasted carrot pizza that's been on the menu at Weights and Measures since day one, you know, it uses ducca spice, which is Egyptian, right? That's, there is no Italian who would look at that, that kind of puffy crust and, and those flavors and that combination of ingredients on a pizza and be like, you know, this is a pizza, but it's undeniably delicious, right? And that's kind of what they've done, you know, with the chorizo carbonara, right? They're they're taking an Italian form, you know, they're Venezuelan, they're they've lived in Houston, they've all these influences, and they're putting their spin on something. And yeah, so I, I think that as much as we love, I we like to say that we like dishes um at different places. I mean, I think hospitality really, really it it's it's not just the food or just the drink it's really the people and so you know for me i love going to places with really great dishes but i love i love that i still walk into sochi and i'll run into hugo or i'll run into tracy you know those are like those are i think those are really really great restaurant tours like that's you know there's a lot of great restaurant tours but like i think that i think that not only is the is is weights and measures needed uh, maybe a little refresh food wise, but I think the characters need to come back to, you know what I mean? Um, no, and, and, and I, and I think, I think that's right. And that's, that's the other thing Xavier told me is that, you know, when they, when they kind of got there and started talking to people, they kind of realized that the servers had just become order takers in his words. Yeah. He said, we need to bring the love back to weights and measures. And so he and his wife have been working the floor, talking to people, meeting people, and then their chef and business partner, Tony Castillo, has also been there working with the kitchen crew some, but also like working the floor and kind of running things. So I, I would say, you know, if you know nothing else about Mastrantos, it's, it's probably Teresa Carbonara, but then it's become a real staple in the Heights because they take really good care of people. Yeah. And so to bring that ethos to back to weights and measures, I, I think that you're right. I think more than anything, that's what it really needs is, is someone who cares about it and will spruce it up a bit. Cool. All right. Citizens, an Australian inspired coffee shop and cafe with three locations in New York city has claimed the former FM kitchen space on Westheimer or citizens of Montrose, a cafe that will open next month. Uh, I got some I got some feedback from people that they didn't know that there had been an FM kitchen in Montrose, uh, which may have been FM Kitchen's problem. 
This is located next to the Velvet Taco uh, on the property that that a million years ago was Ruggles Grill and is now right across from the Montrose Collective where Uchi and Marmo and all that stuff is. So that mm. should help that should help identify it geographically. Linda, let me let me throw it to you. I mean, you and I like to go out for breakfast. Montrose has a ton of breakfast options. What is what does a restaurant like Citizens have to do to kind of stand out or to to win fans? Um, have some freaking parking, boo boo. <laughs> they'll have some. They have some parking, and it won't overlap with Velvet Taco too much, right? Because that's more of a lunch or late night option. I don't know. I mean, it just like you're you're fighting in a pretty crowded crowded space. Beloved blacksmith. Beloved Campesinos. Baby Barnabies. Uh, Baby Barnabies. Who Charita knew knew in the yes, neighborhood. Charita. And and right across and right across the street from them, Lala Kind Cafe, the new the coffee shop, and also Picnic, right? I just talked to the CEO of Picnic last week. So uh, you know, this kind of healthy, gluten-free, you know, allergy-friendly you know, opens it, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So it's a it's a crowded market. Never mind, never mind snooze, which I know I know isn't your favorite, but is undeniably it's popular. It's not my favorite, bro. It's just not my favorite. <laughs> I know. I know. But you know what? But you know what? I love that they're always busy. I love that that they don't need my business. I love that. I love that for them. I love it when people really do not care about my opinion because I am I am but a loud brown girl <laughs> <laughs> all right so so what do you think about what do you think about citizens i mean this you know we know an australian style cafe right avocado toast flat white eggs benedicts they're gonna have a burger they're gonna have a chicken sandwich they're gonna have you know golden lattes that are you know functional that have good for you ingredients in them i mean that that does sound like a Montrose concept to me for sure i mean does but i mean get in line with the other you know what i mean like i mean i always say like if you're going to open up something in montrose you better have a freaking great staff who's going to be working for you how do you treat people and how does the, how does this cafe make 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 everyone feel like you know we'll just see what happens what's the lighting what's the music is it going to be one of those quiet places you're going to be one of those like let's ready let's ready go 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 you know what i mean so yeah, I, I I do say I do think to your point, one of the co-founders is a former architect. So aesthetically, I think they understand they have an understanding of design that maybe other operators don't. And there's there's some renderings on the website uh, or on Culture Map that people can go look at. Uh, but they have this really fun looking wallpaper of like vintage Queen Elizabeth II. So I you know I, there's some there's some playfulness there. I think I think that's. That's kind of what you want, especially in a in a kind of a breakfast and lunch concept, right? You want something that's fun. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing I the one thing I will say though is that three successful locations in New York City, it's like you have my attention because you know as competitive as Montrose is and as competitive as Houston is, you know, Manhattan is is worse. So if you can if you can thrive if you can thrive in New York. You know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, right? That's what the song says. Sir, I'm sorry you have forgotten what city you live in because here plenty of people try to come and Houston's a completely different animal. Like 
we saw some LA dudes come into town and they're like, we're, we make so much money in LA. We're going to drop a, a Houston concept. And then what happened six, seven months later, boom, sorry. See you later. Like, you know, we're no joke. So we'll just see what happens. Yeah, no. And, and, but I, I think, you know, some of it has to do with coming in with the right humility, right? Like very famously, you know, a chef came who had done very well in Vegas and in California and said, you know, they're star. This was several years ago. They're starved for great food. Like we're going to, we're going to give them something they don't have. And, and, you know, he couldn't have been, it couldn't have been more offensive to people. So if you come in humble, open quietly, do your thing. I think, I think they've got a shot to, to really get people's attention. All right. Topic number three, speaking of coffee shops and cafes, Bobby Hugel is bringing coffee service back to the Anvil building on Westheimer. They are opening Refuge Coffee House and Wine in the former Penny Quarter space, which most recently has been used for private events. It will be open daily with coffee, wine, a very limited cocktail menus, and love croissants. Again, that's our second love croissants uh, mentioned today. But uh, they're not they're not bringing back the penny quarter food truck. That is that is dead. So uh, I don't know, Linda. Let me just ask you. I mean, again, there's a lot of coffee shops in Montrose. Uh, you know, Bobby was part of Underbelly Hospitality, or or I guess uh, Clumsy Butcher back in the day that was involved with the opening of Blacksmith, and and so he knows he knows that that part of the business pretty well. I would say, like you told me, he he drinks a lot of coffee, which which probably helps. So, so let me just ask you, I mean, what do you think about this idea of like an all day space, say 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. is kind of the plan where you can go and you can have a coffee or a coffee cocktail or a glass of wine. It's, it's, it's undeniably pretty. I'll, I'll give it that. So, but, but what do you think? I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a really crowded market. You got Montrose cheese and wine. You've got wild. We've got Brazil. We've got the Greek place next to space. Agora. Agora. Right. I mean, you've got common bond for that matter that has maybe not cocktails, but coffee and wine for sure. Common bond. Blacksmith. It's a crowded space. I mean, I will tell, I mean, the clientele, the clientele and the people that like to go to refuge and, and Anvil, that is the most devout clientele guest and because bobby has such a good eye on details and that's really why this is this is why he him and justin do do things very well is their attention to detail do i think it's going to be slammed and whatever whatever Uh, yes at first yes because everybody wants to go to the, the 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 space um the the new spaces so do I think they're going to be successful? Hell yes. Is it a crowded space? Yes, a little bit. But I do know that the details that are going to be in that space are, are different than everyone else. Right. I I think that's right, right? To be able to get an Anvil quality cocktail on a lazy afternoon or maybe even in the morning, if that's kind of your jam, I think that's going to have a lot of appeal for people. They're going to have plugs and Wi-Fi. They've redone the patio. It looks really nice. And and it'll be their their service standards, right? You know, Kristen, who's the head bartender at Refuge, is going to be there for a couple of months to get it off the ground and kind of train 
trained baristas to make cocktails and open wine. So, you know, she's terrific. I think that's a good, that's an important step. Absolutely. And and then the other thing is that, that Bobby was really honest about is like, look, this doesn't, you know, we we primarily view this space like as an event space. You know, we want to do four events a week here, you know, and they do they do everything. They do they do corporate events, they do wedding and baby showers. I think they've done actual weddings there. So and and they're gonna sell the Anvil bottled cocktails to go, which you know gives you a way to pick one up during the day, which has not existed before. And so they have a lot of revenue streams. And I think more than anything, like that's gonna help it kind of pay for itself. And and so they don't have to sell two thousand dollars worth of coffee a day to, to be viable. I think it, it all kind of will come together. Yeah, well, I mean, I also, I mean, that's kind of one of my complaints as of late is like like by the glass offerings in in Heights and in Montrose. I'm always like, dude, why is this what is going on with your by the glass? You know, and I think I think that that's that's what I'm most excited about is grabbing a good glass of wine. I mean, I, I mean, I have we have that at Montrose and Montrose wine and cheese, but like, you know, I'm excited to see what, you know, what they what that team comes up with because they are very thoughtful. So, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Uh, that's coming in. And just to be clear, both Citizens and Refuge Coffee House are both expected to open in June. So we we won't we won't have to wait very long to see what happens. Okay. All right, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Ojo de Agua. This is the new Mexican restaurant in River Oaks District. It's right, uh, it's right across from Pop Dottie, one of two, one of two new openings of River Oaks District, along with Bari Ristorante, an Italian restaurant. I know you've been to Mexico quite a bit, both in Mexico City and Oaxaca. Ojo de Agua has a big presence in Mexico City. So, you know, we'll talk about the specifics of the food and everything in a second, but but let me just ask you, I mean, did it feel to you like places you had been in Mexico City? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's a very Roma Norte place, you know, like that's a it's basically like it's one of the neighborhoods that has like really really outstanding food, uh food and drink and shopping. And that that rings true with this particular concept. It's nestled in the River Oaks district right up against the target basically if you're you're coming in on the on the back end of it a block away from mad and there's just a lot of i mean the lighting is is right they have lots of staff so you feel like you're being you're being taken care of it is counter service which on one hand i really love cuz it's like come on get in line you know so on and so forth but it's like man it's a little expensive but you do get what you pay for. Beautiful food, fresh ingredients. But I mean, it, it's it's online with everything else in that in that uh, in that neighborhood. So I really enjoyed our 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 time there. I did too, and and I want to kind of build on what you said, right? Which you know, again, this is this is a place that's open kind of for breakfast and lunch, you know, and then I, I think they shut it down at like six or seven o'clock at night. So. You know, I think that fast casual format really works during the day in a way that maybe it wouldn't at dinner. And it it does allow them to be at a slightly lower price point. It's not 
it's not inexpensive. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't like a casual taqueria, you know, an order of ribeye tacos is, you know, three ribeye tacos was 20 something bucks or like the, you know, I remember skimming the menu and seeing, you know, the lobster, lobster tacos, $35. So, but, but I mean, that's kind of the approach, right? They're going to use premium ingredients and they're going to, they're going to bring, you know, kind of a, an elevated perspective to some of this stuff. And, and, I, and I'll say, like, I, I thought everything we had was really delicious. You know, we had that uh, Serrano ham and Manchego sandwich that was uh, toasted. It was kind of like a riff on a, uh, with fig jam. So it was kind of a riff on a, on a Monte Cristo. Monte uh, Cristo! <laughs> uh, pancakes, uh, corn cakes with like just a huge scoop of burrata on top. That was like kind of decadent, really tasty, you know, a big serving of, of tuna ceviche with just a bunch of mango and other and other stuff in it. Just a lot to like juices. I know you had an egg dish. Uh, I'll let you I'll let you talk about the egg dish that you tried. But it's it's a big I guess my point is it's a big menu with a lot of choices. Again, a slightly more elevated price point, but but in an area where everything is really upscale you know, Toulouse, Lock Bar, Steak 48, Bisou, uh, you know, Bari now, Mad certainly, you know, this is, this is more of a, you know, come and come as you are kind of environment. And it's kind of the, it's kind of the other side of the coin of Hop Dottie, which is also fast casual, but it's, it's basically just burgers, right? Like, you, you know, the chicken sandwich or whatever, but basically burgers. And this is, this is vegetarian friendly, right? They've got salads and and bowls and and breakfast stuff. So oh, and that acai bowl. Oh, that's right. Yes, the their their signature acai bowl, just with it with a ton of fresh fruit, just yummy, comforting in its way. Like you know, I I get why those things are so trendy, right? Because they're just they're just taste good, and it's and it's relatively good for you. Yeah, I mean, refreshing. I think the way that I kind of look at it is, is if you enjoy going to relish. If you enjoy going to Relish, if you like going to Wheezy's, if you like that kind of like aesthetic, it's I think it's that same clientele. It's upscale, fresh ingredients. You're you're gonna pay a little bit more for for those ingredients, but like the rooms are very comfortable. Though I love the I loved the lighting in there, and you know that's I'm a real nerd about that. Um, and I mean, and and in all honesty. The fact that a lot of their staff all speak Spanish is a really big plus for me. I enjoy that. I enjoy that that type of um, hospitality. Right, and and I think that makes a lot of sense for River Oaks District, which is is a tourist destination, and there's a lot of businesses in in and around the Galleria that that do cater to tourists from Mexico, Central America, South America, so. You know they'll they'll recognize this name, I suspect, because if you're coming to Houston, you've probably also been to Mexico City, and so you'll you'll recognize this name, and and they need that staff that's that's bilingual because they, you know, they'll be catering to to people who are primarily Spanish speaking, and of course Houstonians who are primarily English speaking. So I, I think that's I think that's important for them. Uh, you mentioned relish, which I would say is is more sort of traditionally like classic yeah. American fare. The one that it kind of reminded me of in some in some respects was was Herbe, the you know Hugo Ortega's street food concept because uh, it has the tacos and the juices and and you know maybe maybe that's like more focused Mexican right because it doesn't have 
you know, it doesn't have sandwiches and salads in quite the same way that Ojo de Agua does. But I could see people kind of choosing one or the other, you know, on any given day or or even like a like a more Mexican like flower child, you know, because oh. it's fast casual. A lot of the stuff is really healthy. I think it kind of I think it, it competes in, in some ways with those. And I say, you know, all of the good, right? Like all, more choices, more choices in this in, you know, in this general genre and that price point is is always welcome. Well, and not only that, but it's like I want to see more multicultural, like in in upscale. You know what I mean? Like I want to see more. Like I was talking to a friend of mine today, and I'm like, why don't we do more? I'm like, why don't why don't why don't we have more diverse diverse cocktails? You know, in some of like the in the festival scene. You know, and I mean, I just I I want to see more 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 color, more flavor, more other cultures other than the, than. Oh great, another Italian. Oh great, another steakhouse. Oh great, another. I'm just like, wow, come on, necesito más sabor, you know. But whatever, it is what it is, right? Right. Well, and you know, my response to my response to that kind of stuff is, show me the steakhouse that closed, right? Like they, they, they always seem to find an audience. They always seem to do pretty well. So our our appetite for them is limitless, but it doesn't mean that we don't give sort of extra credit to somebody that's breaking a little ground and, and, you know, bringing something that's been successful, you know, like citizens successful in another city, you know, Mexico city, one of the world's great, truly great food cities. Uh, so if you're, if you're successful there, you can come here. I, I think you could find an audience. I, you know, again, restaurants in River Oaks district have been overwhelmingly successful. And so, you know, I think Ojo de Agua is in, in pretty good shape. And and judging by the food that we ate, or my standard question to you, would you go back? Hell yeah. Me too. Linda, thank you very much. Wow, no spicy. <laughs> I'll be right back with Ben Berg. I'm joined this week by the founder and CEO of Berg Hospitality, Ben Berg. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I I looked it up. I last talked to you in in this format in October of 2019, when you were getting ready to open your version of the Annie Cafe and Turner's. Mm -hmm. So I think that means that you had... You had three three restaurants in Houston open at that time. You had B and B Butchers, your first restaurant, BB Lemon, it's kind of across the street companion, and BB Italia, your kind of red sauce Italian joint that at the time was in the Energy Corridor and now is in Sugarland. Mm-hmm. And then since then, right, you've done the Annie Cafe, Turner's, Nopo Cafe, and Amelia's Havana, and Trattoria Sofia. I think that's right. That's everything. You've got you've got a lot more coming, and I want to talk about all that. But just give me kind of the give me kind of the state of affairs as as the company sits right now. How how is Berg Hospitality? How, how do you how do you describe kind of where Berg Hospitality is in the city right now? Like right now in the office, it's chaotic because <laughs> 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 you know it's controlled chaos. I guess. Yeah, I mean. I remember kind of walking B&B Butchers with you shortly before it opened. 
I mean, did you did you ever kind of see yourself getting to the point you're at now? I mean, with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight restaurants and bars open and, and a whole bunch more on the way? No, I mean, well, honestly, when I was opening Butchers, I mean, something had fallen apart, but, you know, my plan was I wanted a very good restaurant. I had kind of, I think before I took you on it, I actually had a partner, um, but he got deported back to Ireland, so that part fell apart. But I wanted a partner. I didn't want 100% of the stress on me. Uh, you know, this this business, there's a lot of sacrifice with time and, and family and, uh, where you know, the hours wear on you. Um, and that's kind of where my mind was then. Um, but... My partner went away, and I don't know. I I, I got the itch, and uh, it hasn't really it hasn't really left. Um, you know, kind of. I guess right before we spoke, you know, we we're just about to open Annie. Uh, we knew we were going to do Turner's, but we held off a little bit just to get Annie open. Um, you know, and then COVID, and we had a lot of kind of opportunities come our way during that time, and we were in a good position kind of as a company um, and started taking advantage of them. I mean, we should have been open with at least uh, like in my mind for the restaurants that, that will be up and coming should have been open by now. Um, but I think just circumstances, even though I love the city of Houston, sometimes working through some of their agencies has been a struggle. Um yeah, the, the 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 city of Houston, uh, various departments do not feel the same sense of urgency to expedite your uh, various permits as, as you would like them to. No, and, and that's true of every restaurant operator in the city, I would say. Yeah, I'm not even sure they uh, the word urgency is uh, in their in their vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, let's kind of I want to kind of go through all this stuff one by one, because I count. Again, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine new places coming over the roughly the next twelve months. So, so let's just—I kind of want to go through them and kind of get your your update on on kind of where they stand in, in the process and kind of what your what your best guess is about when we we might start to see some of these places. So let's just let's start with Latab and Tavola. This is your your remake of the French restaurant that's right next to the Annie Cafe. Latab and then Tavola is a new Italian restaurant. You're you're splitting that. Latab had been a two-story restaurant. You're splitting it up into a top and a bottom. Tell me a little bit about kind of kind of your vision for for those two restaurants and and a little bit about when you think we might start to be eating there. Um, so for Tavola, the Italian one, um, it's a moving target. We've had some uh, construction issues because we're doing a lot of some major work over there. I mean, we're, we're putting in an elevator on the outside and we're filling in that big gap where the stairs were adding stairs to, to divide up the spaces. Um, but it looks like right now we're, we've been behind kind of three to four weeks for circumstances outside of our control. Um, but I would say we're going to, we'll, we'll be opening up Tavola probably end of April. I mean, sorry, end of July mid-August, if everything goes as I hope it goes this week. Um, it's kind of ready. Now it's just the big, big uh, 
you know, the big structural stuff. Um, so Tombola is, you know, I've really, you know, we're working, you know, it's a partnership with the Bastion guys um, and, you know, Valerio, who who is kind of their GM there forever, is great, great, great guy. Um, and, you know, I want to bring a fun, vibrant, kind of lively uh, Italian restaurant, but really, really centered on the food. It's a small, it's a small environment, so it's going to be very intimate. I mean, I think interior we only have because we're putting a, its own kitchen downstairs, so we're only going to have roughly sixty seats, and then maybe add another sixty outside. Uh, but you know, I don't count my outside seats in Houston. Um, yeah, they're too weather dependent. Too weather dependent. Uh, but we've really, uh, you know, really let Valerio kind of take the lead on this one. Um, when it comes to the style, the, the style of food, I mean, it's going to be very classic, very Roman. Um, but I, you know, Valerio's from Italy. He has a lot of passion for it. And, um, you know, I'm pretty excited for all that one's going to come out. La Tabla will probably, we're going to get downstairs open first and get that, work out any kinks, work out what we need to do there. And probably open the French concept, which may or may not be called La Tabla at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, breaking breaking news. All right. Yeah. Uh, um, probably open that sometime in October, November. Okay. Just give us some breathing room because I think we'll, on the Berg side we'll probably open another two restaurants within within that time. So. <laughs> and then, and just your your vision for it, are you going to kind of keep? Because like when I think of La Tabla, I. I you know, my my favorite version of that restaurant was like when Valerio was roaming the dining room with carts, like flambéine steaks table side, filleted over sole, all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of your vision for it, or or what do you? How do you kind of see it coming together? Yeah, my vision is to make it a lot. Of, I would say more of an approachable dining room, um, to give it uh, a little more. I don't know, upscale brasserie effect, not as quiet and kind of spaced out. However, we want to bring it back to that, the, the you know, the, the show, the experience show of tableside, cards, et cetera, and, and kind of you know, a lot of abundance of stuff brought out in front of you and finished in front of you. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that's in line with what I, what I think it should be. All right. right. And, uh, and, and we're going to have the opportunity because Tavola downstairs will be open for lunch and dinner, and we're just concentrating on the French upstairs, just dinner. And to really have that kind of time because before, you know, they're serving lunch downstairs during the day and we're really giving them the opportunity to make some special stuff. Yeah. It was like, you know, flatbreads downstairs and a burger and all this other stuff. And it's like, it's like, come on, man. Like you guys are, you guys are best when you're serving me that hundred dollar chicken for two, you know, or, or I mean the, the, the flambe Texas Wagyu, you know that was that was my favorite stuff about about that restaurant yeah and that's why we're building the kitchen downstairs so the kitchen downstairs can handle just downstairs and then next up on my list of places to ask you about we have annabelle's which is a a brasserie an all-day brasserie and turner's cut a steakhouse these are both going to be in the autry park mixed use development uh right at the right at the intersection right along allen parkway and shepherd so all right tell tell me about kind of 
kind of those two restaurants and, and what their status is. So Annabelle's will be opening first. We're going to do the same thing, probably give them – those two will probably open 30 to 45 days apart. Annabelle's looks like well, – it's all dependent on windows, believe it or not. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we're going to be looking right around August 15th. You know, but sometime between August 15th and September 1st. Um, that's going to open up right away with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, it's, it's, I'm extremely excited for the design of this place. There's going to be some cool surprises in it. It's going to have a large patio. But again, these are not huge restaurants. This, this one is only, it's a little under 5,000 square feet. I think it, we actually enclosed one of the patios that kind of merges into the bar. So we'll only have roughly approximately a total of 100 seats, you know, including bar area, inside, and then add probably another 60, 80 outside with a very small private room. Um, we're going pretty – I would say we're taking – I want it to be somewhat approachable, not hardcore French brasserie like a, like a Pastis or Balthazar, um, but a menu kind of – emulating that a lot um but large menu uh, i i don't know if i believe in small menus uh yeah you you can you can leave that for the uh i don't know well uh, june comes to mind is that you know 15 items on the menu that that's yeah. that's uh you're you're more in the kenny and ziggy's uh give, give people what they want i wouldn't go kenny and ziggy's <laughs> <laughs> he, he beats me in that one i mean if I presented that breakfast menu to my chefs, they might walk out on me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but but with the brasserie, the lunch and dinner kind of, you know, they can merge together a lot. I'm excited about doing, using real classic, classic you know, brasserie French uh, dishes as daily specials. Um, I mean, are we talking like beef bourguignon? Like oh, yeah, beef like? bourguignon, cassoulet, okay. stuff like that. Um Kind of have a great rolled omelet, I would say, if you're going to do breakfast in an environment like that. Yeah, we're doing a great omelet, a great pan Um some yummy stuff like that. Um, but, you know, this is, you know, we, we have to have a good amount of offerings. I'm really excited about Archie Park. I think it's a great addition to the city when it's all completely done. There's some cool guys going in there. It's beautiful. I mean, it's so walkable. I think right now they still have Allen Parkway closed right there. But, you know, they're connecting it to the, the Bayou Park there, Buffalo Bayou. Um, it's going to be a really neat thing when everything's open and moving there. Yeah, and I'm, you're in good company. I mean, you know, yeah. Chris Kincho from Sushi's doing a couple restaurants there. I've met with uh, uh, Creepa and Kernoy that are doing Auden. I mean, they seem super motivated, good good work experience. So Yeah, Kinjo's directly across from me. Yeah. And then Turner's Cut. Yeah, Turner's Cut will be on the opposite corner, um, the south corner. Turner's Cut is, it's again, it's intimate. It's under 5,000 square feet. Um, we are enclosing a patio, a very small patio. But we're really shooting for an extremely elevated steakhouse experience with, real, uh, you know, great cuts of meat. It's not going to be just, uh, you know, your, your, your New York Prime kind of, an exploration through Japanese beefs, Australian beefs. We're working on some really cool cuts. Um, 
that you can't really get anywhere, almost our own proprietary, some old, you know, some age, old, old cow, um, some, some, and a couple more real composed beef dishes. Um, but here you're going to see like a prime rib cart. You're going to see a, a shellfish cart over the top service and beef. You know, it's not going to be, we're a steakhouse where we need volume to uh, really generate the revenue here. It's going to be more about the complete experience and not, you know, needing to turn the tables three, four, five times. Right. And and that's what you're doing already at Turner's. I mean, you know, right. there, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing I enjoy more than just the, the, like over the top ridiculousness of right. a table side wedge salad right. with the, with the sliced, like the sliced blue cheese and the, and the bacon sliced, uh, sliced on a cart in front of you. I, I, that is, that is very much my thing. I, I really enjoy that. So, um, and yeah, that one should go, we have some really cool, uh, first of its kind kind of in uh, architectural pieces that, you know, we've seen it only in Germany and France that'll be in there. It's going to be a special place, um, but that one should, I think, should come in around mid-October. All right. And then let's move on to Dune Road, your New England-style seafood restaurant that's coming to downtown. Yes, that's going to be in Texas Tower, which is Heinz's new uh, new big shiny glass building, um, you know, kind of Right in the theater district there. Yeah, where the where the Chronicle used to be for anyone who's yeah, exactly. familiar with the layout of downtown. Uh-huh. And um that one I'm gonna hope again it opened this year. That it probably most likely it's gonna be December. Um and what I'm most excited for is my trip in August with our chefs, kind of starting way up in Maine and going down the whole coast. And finishing in Boston. So so that just explains the menu coming down. Right. No, let me let me just say, like, I you know, I think the audience may know, maybe they don't. You know, I went to college in Maine. Uh, my father grew up in New England. My parents went to college in Boston. You know, I I I have a very firm idea of what should and shouldn't be on this menu. Right. Right. And you know, from my vision, it's you know, lobster in all of its forms, particularly like particularly steamed, particularly lobster rolls and and clams, which is, you know, we're seeing on a couple of menus, but like, you know, you can't get whole fried clams in this town, really. I love and, fried clams, by the way. Trust me, they're going to be on the menu. Right, right. You know, haddock, cod, you know, steamed clams, fried clams, clam chowder. So are, are we on the same wavelength with this? We're, we're on the complete same wavelength. Good. All right. And then uh, maybe the one that I'm I'm personally the most excited about, Buttermilk Baby, your kind of retro burger joint, Carvel ice cream, soda fountain. Uh, talk about that a little bit. That one is opening in MKT and right in the Heights, or Shepherd. Uh, we're in for permit, so I can tell you that much. Uh, oh, yeah. So so just for the sake of the, the audience, it's probably going to be three or four months before the city approves your permits. And then you're probably three or four months in construction. So I'm going to say early 24. No, no, actually this one, we've actually been in per permit a little bit. Okay. I'm shooting for November. Um, okay. It's not a huge space. It's approximately, I think 3,200 square feet. Um, and we're, we're doing a couple things to try to get in there sooner um, to get certain work done. 
Um, I'm excited for this one. This is also the one, this is our first one that will be opening using this um, uh, design firm out of New York called iCrave. Uh, they've really, I think, blown it, kind of blew it out of the water with all the different touches with incorporating kind of the identity of Carvel into it. Um, you know, like, like I like to say, like, it's, you know, we're creating a new concept that has history and Carvel is that history. Um, but it's also reimagining that soda fountain for today's world, especially with technology and everything. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of concentration on chicken. There's a lot of concentration on, uh, on the biscuit. Um, I think I've had to start taking blood pressure medication for the amount of biscuits we've been trying. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, you know. Because you have to make that decision, right? Is it a flaky biscuit exactly. or is it like a soft biscuit? Like, is it a KFC biscuit? So I so I didn't grow up with biscuits, really, you know, coming from New York. Right. But I'm, you know, we're leaning towards that flaky biscuit. For me, that's the buttery flaky is what I like, not as much that the doughy. But yeah. we also, uh, you know, I think it goes really there's a really, you know, that crunch and everything and not so much of the doughiness with the egg sandwiches and with even chicken in the middle. There's something nice about that. No, I, I, I think that's the way to go. And just just for for Texans who have never had Carvel ice cream, and, and I, I got some pushback from people. There's like, there was a Carvel on, there was a Carvel on Richmond at Hillcroft. It's like, okay, but that's, you know, one location does not establish like a, a prominent presence. Just as a New Yorker, just explain a little bit about why of, of all of the ice cream brands you could have brought to Houston, why Carvel? Oh, I mean, one, I, I grew up with it. It's the original, I mean, soft serve. I don't think there was a, until I fell in love with carrot cake, and this is the truth, I think, you know, they invented the ice cream cake. Every single cake I had for my birthday was either a Fudgy the Whale or some other form of Carvel. And with the little crunchies, the chocolate crunchies that they put on top, you, I mean, in New York, it's it was Carvel ice cream, and to go and get a big, you know, big soft serve, it's just kind of part of life. I mean, I, I actually one of my 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 uh, Darren McDonald, who's been with me, is our chief operating officer. We have photos of his grandfather had two Carvels in Long, like out in Queens in Long Island City, and just that like, unbelievably retro design of them, and. I don't know. It's just something you just grow up with. Um, and it's great. It's thick. It's it's not airy. It's a ton of flavor in it. It's just different. Yeah, I have memories of going to one. I don't, you know, my I had cousins that lived in Westchester County, and I don't remember if this was in White Plains or New Rochelle or or one of those, but like, you know, uh and like animatronic characters, like in the Right, you know, like in the ice cream shop, like or I don't know, maybe maybe it wasn't Carvel, maybe it was another brand, but but my memory is of is that it was Carvel and just you know big Sundays like you know Cute cones Sunday. with stuff, you know yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that. Uh. All right, let's. Uh, we're actually uh, we're actually coming because they don't have a presence in Texas. Um. We're we're, we're we have we're kind of becoming our own distributor too. And you know, and we're gonna do everything like you know the uh, the the flying saucers and I mean between that and and, and the biscuits, God, my doctor's gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I'm here to take some of the pressure off. Taste test. I'm whatever you need. I'm I'm here for you. No problem. Um, all right, and then let's get, let's keep it going. Washington Avenue, Benny Chow's, a Chinese restaurant, and then Canopy Social, a rooftop bar. Where where are we at in the in the process for Benny Chow's? My my sense is that this might be this might be first out of everything that you've got going on. Yeah, this one's first. This is right now. We're working off of the date, unless something catastrophic happens. Opening to the public on June sixteenth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Can't be social will probably be another two months later. Yeah, I mean, there's not really any point in opening a rooftop bar in the no, middle. No, when it's 150 degrees out. Right. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about talk to me about Benny Chow's. Because you know, it like we have, you know, if you go down, I mean, if you go down Bel Air, if you go to Fung's Kitchen or Hai Kang or or Arco Seafood, I mean, we have some pretty refined Chinese food in this town, but but my sense is that you you have kind of a different vision for what you want to do with that. Yeah, it's also again. I mean, I, I like to create places that either in some way I grew up with or some way I have a connection to. And there's something about New York style Chinese and definitely Cantonese. I mean, I think we have uh, one or two maybe dishes that lean a little Szechuan, but really not much. And Houston seems more dominated, primarily dominated by Szechuan. Um, so we're not doing that. Um, and there are some dishes and styles of Chinese that you really only see in New York. I mean, uh, this sounds crazy, but usually New Yorkers know them. I, I can't wait to have sesame noodles. Cold sesame noodles are just one of my most favorite things in the world. Yeah. Shepard, Shepard Ross, who's been a front of the house guy yeah. all over, the, like, constantly where can i get cold sesame noodles there's nowhere in houston that i know so it's going to be more in that style it's definitely going to be of the sharing style um we're, we're probably going a little heavier than i would say kind of my classic places in new york i would I'd go to with 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 the dim sum and and dumplings and soup dumplings but we're also there's a little fusion in it so there's dishes we're taking um you know, we're dressing them up for Houston, I would say. Um, that wouldn't be traditional Chinese. So if it's traditional to anything, it's traditional New York Cantonese style Chinese. With our touch, with with, and then some dishes are just going to be flat out, you know, I'd say kind of like the Viet Cajun, right? This is just a Houston Chinese thing, right? A merge of flavors. Uh, big, big, big bar program, big cocktail program. We're actually just tasting the the the, uh, the one drink that I'm not sure ever existed down here, um, but we have to get it right. It was you know New York growing up? I remember some of my first times getting a hangover and getting drunk were in Chinese restaurants, and <laughs> they had this thing called the Scorpion Bowl. So we've created our version of the Scorpion Bowl, and I, I was just trying. It's going to be really cool. We also got like a perfect jade green. So, uh, but you know, big, but it's say, you know, after COVID, we're not going to have a big bowl with a bunch of straws. We have a beautiful decanter and some other surprises with it includes scorpions. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've always thought that there was like an opportunity for like, you know, Wagyu beef with broccoli, you know, right. or like, you know, heritage general says chicken, and and I've always kind of wondered why, like nobody just 
tried to try to do something like that, right? Kind of mute, merge that new American sensibility for ingredients with kind of a classic Chinese American style. Well, like our general shows, I am not somebody who I mean, younger when I was younger, I ate general shows, but I, I don't anymore. And my guys, I mean, it's a it's when you order, you I, I know you're gonna love it, but it's not what you think when you're getting it. This is a half a chicken altogether. It's not cube chicken with skin on everything. It is fantastic. But yeah, we're doing stuff like that. I mean, when you order our beef and broccoli, it's a filet mignon. I mean, it's cubed and great. Yeah, and I mean, you can even kind of merge it like, you know, there, there's a point of intersection somewhere between like Vietnamese Bo Luc Lock and beef with broccoli because that is made with filet. You, I mean, you could have some fun with it if you were really so inclined. That, 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 I think, you know, there's a lot of that. But then again, I'm going to go back to my sesame noodles. I finally have a place to get them. <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, I, I'd say there's like 30% of the whole reason you're doing this is so that you can have cold sesame noodles and use them. Most likely, yeah. Uh, and then just, you want to talk about kind of what to expect from Canopy Social? So Canopy Social, um, I, I when that rooftop, you know, it's above Benny Child's on the third floor. It's actually above the puttery. Um when I was brought up there, it's just, it's an awesome, unbelievable view. We have close to, I'd say, 3,000, maybe a little bit more out, no, outdoor, um, you know, outdoor square footage. And then another approximate 2,000 square feet in, in, uh, in the interiors. We're really designing it to face towards downtown. Um, we're in a great position because our view will never be blocked. Um just because of right in front of us is the historic, you know, uh, historic section, which they can't build over two stories. And it's just an awesome, I mean, it feels like the downtown buildings are right in your face. Um, we, we have an amazing retractable roof system coming. We're going to have light bites, um, kind of a mix of central, center more, a little bit more around Caribbean, um, we don't have a complete full kitchen, so it's not that elaborate, and it would be too much of a struggle service-wise to pull stuff from downstairs. But we're going to have more of a tapas-style um, kind of tasting snacks, but but hot and cold, um, probably around 12 to 14 items, uh, pretty strong uh, cocktail list. But, you know, it, it, it's when the weather's great, this would be – you're going to want to be up there. All right. And then the last one that I am aware of, Prime 131, this is a live fire concept coming to Timbergrove. Yes. That one finally got my permit. <laughs> that one's been a beast. It's in a really, so I thought this is on, uh, it's on 11th between TC Jester and Ella. And the landlords had some issues with the city and had, <laughs> had to sue the city over ridiculous asking them to pipe drainage over a mile long which is not really they shouldn't have to do so we've had some delays on on getting permits there but um you know the name prime 131 i could say is basically table 131 and bnb butchers is the most requested table what we're doing here is we're putting four grills right in the middle of the dining room uh live fire grills with the heat boxes the fire boxes everything and then there's actually stadium seating going up from the sides. So there's not a bad seat 
in this restaurant. The whole time you see the fire, you see the cooking, everything right in front of you. Plus, I fell in love with the space. The building just looked like it could have been. It was an old warehouse. It's dock height. It just could have been in the meatpacking district, you know, in the 90s, when I, you know, before the meatpacking district became cool and everything, when it was still a little grungy. Um, you know, when I was going to high school, that's that's what it looked like. Um, so I fell in love with the building. I fell in love with the space. It was big. It was open. And we really wanted, you know, this was before Turner's Cut even. And I really wanted to do, you know, cooking on different woods and doing that in front of everybody. Yeah, I, I will say, like, one of my truly favorite tables in the whole city is the, the counter at uh, State of Grace. Because you get to watch the guys work that giant <laughs> wood-fired hearth. And it's... Yeah. Like and you feel the heat from it, like yeah. close enough that you like they throw a log on and your face gets hot. Like I, I, I always thought there was something really visceral we had about to, that. We had to order the AC units two hundred and sixty days before <laughs> because they're so elaborate to keep the heat. You know, one the comfortable, decently comfortable. It's never going to be perfect for 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 the chefs, but. You know, to make sure this this room will be uh, will be able to be cool properly. All right, uh, all right. That that is my list of the the nine restaurants that you are opening. Uh, oh, and roughly when on Prime Prime One Thirty One? You know, right now it looks like we're we're starting construction probably this week. So if it's a six month build out, it'll be in December. Okay. Um, am I missing anything? I I think that's everything you've officially announced. Yeah, that's everything we've announced. I mean, we're building one restaurant, not a small one, but it's in Arlington. Um, yeah, you're building Soy Cowboy, which Soy Cowboy. Yeah. Is that sort of similar to Benny Chow's? No, this is I would say more Pan Asian. Okay. Going over, you know, meats, a different style of cooking meats. So now that we've kind of gone through all of this, like give me kind of the big picture. Like how do you how do you decide like I want to do, you know, a a retro diner soda fountain. I want to do, I want to put my spin on Cantonese food. I want to do a new England seafood joint. Like how do you sort of, you know, a landlord comes to you and says, we'd like to have you in our project. How do you, how do you kind of, how do you, how do you get from that initial conversation to we're going to do new England seafood in the downtown office tower? So I think definitely with the Chinese, definitely with the new England seafood Somewhat with, with with buttermilk baby. I mean, I, I have a buddy in New York who opened a restaurant that I was really interested in, kind of what he was doing. Um, but they kind of get in my head, and I can't get them out. And I, I you know, I want to put, I, I want to find a way to make make this concept and or whatever our addition to the conversation of where it's going. Um, and then, I mean, we're in a good position right now. We're not, we don't really need to. We're not out there looking for for spaces. We have a lot of landlords are coming to us right now. And it's kind of when the right space comes up and with the right landlord or developer who we, you know, who I want to work with, because more and more it's, it's you know, the, it's almost like a partnership between, you know, I want to be aligned with the guy that I'm going into. Yeah, I mean, I was probably my leases are longer than most marriages, right? So I mean, we got <laughs> to see eye to eye. Right. You know? Uh, and, 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 you know, and want the same thing for wherever we're going into. 
And then it's like, wow, is this going to work for this? You know, Betty Childs was easy. When I saw, it was in my head, and I saw what Frank built right next to me um, and kind of the alley that was created between B&B and his building. I was like, this is this is a Chinatown alley in New York. This has to be Benny Joe's. That was it. That was never even considering looking anywhere else to put it. Because um, it just felt right to me. Uh, Do Road, kind of the same way. I mean, I could put it somewhere else, but just the big windows. We have an awesome design. Um, I don't know, Power Lunge downtown. You have the, the big Heinz building. Um it's also, you know, in a way, you kind of look in the market. What do they need? You know, we're surrounded by all the theaters there, all the arts. You know, nobody wants to, you know, I don't want to sit, you know, have a huge stake and heavy sides and then go sit in a theater for two and a half hours or the opera or something, right? I'm just I mean, like, you do if you I'll want to nap. Out. You know, I'll fall asleep in a second. Right, exactly right. So And and nothing from nothing, but it's right down the street from B&B Butcher. So if people right. want to stay yeah. from you. They can still get it. Easy, yeah. Um, but we, you know, just get some ideas in our head that I want to get involved with or, and we start formulating the idea, but until we find a space that makes sense, um, and we can pull it off, it doesn't really start coming around. And then, you know, we've been able to form a really, really solid team, I think. And we put a lot of money into our team to make sure we don't fall on our face with this expansion right now. So you know, start bringing in, you know, I want everyone to have a, to have a say, to offer something up and to bring different perspectives because yeah, I could get lost in my New York stick just on Chinese, you know, and right. I, I just could. Right. But uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's not about me. It's it's what I like all the time. It's kind of, okay, let's make sure this works and they're going to get it. Cause there's some things I like that people might just not get, you know, clams is still the one I'm worried about. Clams just yeah. aren't that big here. You no, know? they aren't. Like, Are you going to build do... my restaurant around clams? Probably not. Right, right. I mean, you can have clams. Right. I, you know, like I, I thought, I thought, you know, in in the very beginning when Navy Blue opened, they had fried clams. I think it lasted yeah. about two weeks. Yeah. You know, because people just didn't, it just wasn't what they wanted from that restaurant. Well, what are you going to do? Right. Um, You mentioned the team. Be a little more specific. Kind of expand on that a little bit because, you know, Houston restaurant history is obviously littered with groups that, you know, grew too fast and flew too close to the sun and and came crashing down. Uh, You've got a lot of, you've grown a lot. You've got a lot more growth coming. What are you doing to kind of manage that and, and ensure that you're, you're the exception or, or you're, you're going to carve a different path. Um, I mean, obviously financially we've invested a lot in people we've brought in um a lot of hires that have a lot more experience than i do or at least some of them i'd say just years more experience um based on age but guys who have the same passion and kind of you know it's kind of exciting i'd say in the past two years we've created let's say like the berg hospitality way the berg hospitality mission our values and we're in, a, you know, especially for me as well, is we're in this position now. I mean, three years ago, we had maybe 13, 14, I'd say, I hate the word corporate, but, you know, group employees. Right now we have 32, um, you know, and it's merging these personalities and getting the strategy correct and, and, and creating an infrastructure to really support the stores. 
Um, and we even, I mean, I'll tell you, within the past year, we've kind of changed the way we look at, you know, okay, who's our number one? You know, before I always said just coming from a super hospitality side and being more on the operation side, I would say the guest is number one. Well, in the past year, that's completely changed. Our employees are number one now, right? Without our employees, we can't take care of the guests. And that idea did not come from me. That came from people we brought in. Um, I mean, that's like a core of Danny Myers setting the table, right? right? But, you know, when, for me, I went from a general manager to kind of an owner general manager to still can't get my hands out of everything. And, and you, it's, it's hard to start seeing it and stepping back and also hiring very solid people and you know, we discovered I was, I was, you know, I was a problem. Sometimes I was slowing down the process um, because I wanted to see everything, but, but man, when I get great people around you, um, but we're in that period right now where we're really trying to structure it, um, you know, get things streamlined, get processes. And we've brought in trainers, we've brought in beverage. We, we, we've brought in a lot of people. To, I like to say, I got a lot of A personalities here. And, uh, you know, listen, it's it's great when you see them butting heads because they care. And, I mean, you know, but putting that together, I like to tell everybody, you know, the only people that can, uh, you don't have to say fuck on this. You can. Uh, okay. Yes. The only people that can I'm, fuck this up is us, you know. So, you know, unless we come together – and, and get on the same page. And, and that's a process. I mean, it's been, we're, we're getting there and, you know, we're going to be, you know, I tell you, we're going to be tested this next eight months. Um, if, if, if the structure we've put in and, and everything that we've kind of, we knew is coming, it's, it's coming. Um, so, you know, I mean, cause you still got to hire staff train, you know, the well, whole, you know, we've gotten out, you know, from hiring and management, we've got, we've really, done way better of getting really out in front of it. We're trying to hire our general managers and our chefs way. I mean, I've had, I have guys on payroll for six months out because one, I want them buy into their restaurant. I have the concept, I have the space. I'm going to handle the design. I know what I want in it. And I need to clearly communicate that to them. But then at that point, listen, go find me the plates. You know, you choose the plates, you choose the glassware based on the concept. You start making the decisions and have ownership of your store. Um, and it's working so far. Um, and I think we're creating uh, a company with way, you know, there's a way more sense of ownership. It's just, we're not just handing you something and and everybody involved from, you know, management to, to the group, the corporate, you know, their their ideas and and stuff it, it becomes part of the restaurant it's not just ben says do this i mean ben will come in and say i want freaking sesame noodles make them you know? <laughs> yeah it's like part of the part of the interview process yeah, it's like exactly. you better have a recipe for just sesame noodles exactly i i, I think well, I, mean, become... I, I have tasted so many different sesame noodles in new york <laughs> i was always getting sick of them for a little bit and i was like i gotta slow down um so not that you not that you don't have enough on your plate, but but are there still is there like one or two styles of restaurant that you you still really want to do? Yes. Somewhere. Yes. Yes. You want to tell me <laughs> what you want to? I mean, like, I would, do, do you have like a Jewish deli in you, for example? I mean, do you? No. Do you, have a... you know what? Ziggy does a great job there. I don't yet. Okay. Um, 
I still would like to get into the bagel business. I can't get that out of my head for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, th th there's another kind of, you know, uh, I mean, Mediterranean is something I'd be very interested in. Um, Israeli, Mediterranean, that kind of that whole world together, I think is, is unbelievable flavors. Um, you know, we're dabbling a little bit in kind of, more of the Kote style, but a little of the, you know, cooking meat and the Korean barbecue style of cooking at the table. Um, you know, and there's a couple other meat, I'd say steakhouse ideas that I, I want to go after. Um, but, you know, we'll be incorporating some sushi into our restaurants, but I'm not going to do that. Probably barbecue, I'm going to leave to those pros. We're not going to get involved with that. Right, you're not going to do Tex-Mex. I can't see that. I mean, I got to do... Okay, here's my problem. I got to do some sort of Mexican or something some point. <laughs> okay, my son's name is Diego. And he's the only child that doesn't have a restaurant or concept named after him. And he's big into... I mean, my, my son eats like three things. It's terrible. He eats steak tacos. He eats... Spicy Popeye's chicken sandwich, and he eats pepperoni pizza, and that's it. I mean, Diego's Cantina sounds like a place that yeah, like that Casa Diego, Casa Diego, that might be cool. Yeah. Right. But but he's only twelve, so it's not like I would even just do a cantina, right? And right. I've always wanted to do a Mexico City style cantina where you have tons of little light, you know, great, great, really curated dishes but doing the style where in the classic ones of Mexico City you know if you had somebody a drink they bring you a little botana and that was usually complimentary you know but one day but I wouldn't do Tex-Mex no but maybe more the other way all right and then look I I, I do feel like I I do you know we we talked about Benny Chow's a little bit there was some pushback on the name mm-hmm let me, let me just say, to be very explicit for the sake of the audience and, and just where I stand on this, I, I feel like I know you pretty well. I've known you for a long time. I know that your attitude is you want to serve everybody. And and I think it's kind of a funny pun, right? Because yeah. you're, you're Ben and, and Chow is a Chinese name and it also means eat. So I, I get it. But did, did any of the, like, did any of the feedback kind of make you think twice or are you, you know... You don't want to offend anybody at all in this business. I mean, like, I don't, I keep any opinion of mine out of anything that we do, really, because, I, you know, we're here to serve. We're here to create, you know, it's hospitality. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I it, yes, has it like touched me in the back of the head and said, man, did I make a mistake? You know, I, I, you know but, uh, you know, I talked to some people I know. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I pitched this whole restaurant to Frank Lou before we even signed the lease because he's my landlord there. You know, name everything. Um, so, can I see it if they don't know me and they don't know where we're coming from and what we want to do? Yeah. Um, but right now, I mean, I don't know. I'm a I'm a Jew from New York. Is it like the, the, I'm more connected to Chinese food? The, you know, I, I just love it. And 
I tell people, you know, New York, we got two kinds of comfort food. It's Chinese, you know, that's our right, and it's it's pizza and hot dogs. You know? Right. And and you know, even though I, I grew up here, you know, my you know, I'm I'm also Jewish. My parents are from the East Coast. You know, more Friday nights than not, I would say we were at some locally owned Chinese American restaurant eating, you know, sesame chicken and beef and broccoli and egg rolls and pork dumplings, right? Like, you yeah. know. We 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 did that on a Friday night way more often than we went to Shabbat services at the synagogue. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> I will say that this will be, you know, just kind of an honor of growing up Jewish in New York too. This will be my only restaurant that will be open on Christmas Day. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you did. Right. You go to movies and yeah, Chinese. Jewish Jewish Christmas. You you Jewish uh, Christmas. go to the movies and have Chinese food. Yeah. I, I you know my parents used to tell me that it'll be. You know, because I was always like, well, why are we doing Christmas? And uh, they would say, well, because they, 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 you know, for us, they open all the, the big new movies right on Christmas Day for us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, look, I, we've, we've gone long. I, I knew that we would. Uh, but before I let you go, I, I just want to ask you, because I, I know you eat around. You know, I ran into you at Obraco a little bit ago. I, I know there's a ton of new restaurants in town. What have you been to recently that's impressed you? Um, what have I been to recently that's impressed me? Well, I had a good bagel with you. I, you know, yes, I, I, I took you to I took you to Bagel yeah. Express in in yeah. Sugarland. Um, I'm a big you know I call them heroes. Other people call them subs, grinders. I I, I really like Primos. I thought that was a quality sandwich. Check it out. I gotta tell you, I mean, um, that was, I went to Navy Blue. I I thought Navy Blue, you know. I don't get out as much. Um, you know, I'm, I'm boring that way. I haven't been to a lot of places. <laughs> you know, I think you see me you know, more than those are like the times I get out. Um, but I always take good, you know, I always want recommendations. You know, well, you I've to... been eating around every different kind of Chinese restaurant in Chinatown and dumplings and dim sum on Sundays and just really, really trying to see where houston what houston enjoys with that food too i've been doing a lot of that have you come up do, do you have a couple of favorite places oh you know what i went i did again sorry no uh, please i mean i like maine but um i don't remember all the names i have them all written down i was had an urge last night and it was so damn good and it's probably one of my favorite ones because i'm just really into those flavors right now is i i went and had a uh, aga last night Oh yeah, so God, good. Those those uh, the lamb. Oh yeah, the goat chops can't go wrong with the that. goat chops. Those, those are freaking awesome. The breads there. I uh, I ate way too much. I think I they kind of looked at me like, "What's wrong with you?" I had like seven different entrees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's that place you is know. Big. Yeah, and I mean the volume, right? Like the volume, just, is not, you got to look at that. There's got to be 250 seats in that dining room. More than that, easy. And then the 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 to go the to go window that never stops. I don't I don't know what they're doing in revenue every year, but it's a it's an eight digit number would be my my rough guess. Yeah, they had alcohol, they'd absolutely crush it. They'd be no. Oh, if one. they had if they had alcohol, it'd be a twenty five million yeah. dollar restaurant. Yeah, I know. I, it's just impressive, and the quality and the flavor of everything's amazing. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, this has been a lot of fun. You want to give us the website for Berg Hospitality so people can follow what you guys have going on? 
Yeah, it's uh, berghospitality.com. Easy I think. enough. Yeah. Easy enough. <laughs> uh, ben Berg, thanks so much. Thank you, Eric. Be good. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.